Good morning, everybody. Well, today we have a, uh, one of my favorite gospel scenes in any of the gospels. Super powerful. It's, it's one that I hope you know. Um, and today, uh, we're going to have to talk about some kind of heavy things. Our gospel gives rise to this. And so today we're going we're gonna to start off and we need to talk a little bit about death. A commonplace kind of phrase among Christians, and I'm sure you've heard this, even some saints sometimes will say things like, death is actually the friend of the Christian. And that it's a good thing because it, it unites us with God. And we, and we could say that, I, I suppose, in a certain sense. But Scripture tends to look at death the opposite way. And so our first reading today, I hope you heard this uh, from Wisdom, chapter 1 and 2. But here in Wisdom 1.13, it says, God did not make death. God did not make death, nor does he delight in the death of the living. Our, our, the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 15, St. Paul, in chapter 15, um, verse 26, Paul's talking about how if we don't believe in the resurrection, our faith is in vain. And in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul's wrestling with people who are going to say, you know what, we don't have to f- literally believe in the resurrection we can still believe that Christianity has meaning. And what really matters is that it helps us to love other people and give us a meaningful life. And Paul says, if you do not believe in the resurrection, and if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is in vain. And of all people, we are the most to be pitied. Of all people, we are the most to be pitied if the resurrection is not true. But... In 1 Corinthians 15, 26, Paul says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed. Death is not the friend of the Christian. Death is the enemy of God. And he will conquer death on the last day for all of us. So today is one of those gospel readings, as many of them are, and I hope you know this. If you're engaging in your faith, if you're not just going through the motions, but if you are engaging and you're following Jesus, I hope every week you're reading our gospel before you come to Mass, and you're praying with it and you're engaging. Because it's so easy, right? I know I have a monotone voice, I'm like, And Jesus walked into the synagogue official's home, and you're like, oh my gosh, right? You've got to read ahead of time and pray and think about what's actually happening. And today, I really want to help you enter into the depth of what's happening in this gospel in Mark chapter 5. When you become a priest, as many of you will, Don't laugh. We are coming to the point of the lottery system. Um, But 
when you become a priest, one of the strangest things that ever happens to you is most of us, not all, some guys are ordained later on in life, some are a little younger. Um, Father Sean right now, I think he's still 27, which is completely absurd. But for most of us, we're ordained somewhere close to 30. Uh, I was at the, I was just about to turn 31 when I was ordained. But what happens is you enter into your priesthood and immediately one of the first things you're going to deal with as a priest is people coming to you when a loved one dies. And it's extraordinarily humbling. Because quite frankly, right when you're 30 years old, you, you might have theological knowledge and you can quote 1 Corinthians 15 and you can talk about Romans 8 and wisdom 2. But you simply haven't been there. And people are hurting in a way that you oftentimes have never experienced. And I'll never forget one of the hardest things for me. I was even a couple years into priesthood. It was pretty close to the time I came here to Our Lady of Lords. But probably about six years ago, uh, there was a family here at Lords, and their 20-year-old daughter was the last death of the ski season that year. And it was the last run of the last day of the ski season, and her and her friends took one last run. And she lost control on that run, and she hit a tree. And she died. Um, and I'll never forget, sorry, this is going to be a tough one today. But I'll never forget sitting with Rob and Leanne in my office here at Lord's and just crying with them. And they looked to me, right at that time I was like, I don't know, 34. And they looked at me to bring meaning and comfort and healing and hope in a very dark moment. And Rob just kept asking me, Father Brian, why would God let this happen? And I didn't have a good answer for him, right? The only thing you can do in those moments is to love people and be with them. Right, as time passes, of course, we would talk about the resurrection and about the theology, but more important was I just needed to be with them. That was extraordinarily hard. It's been on my mind this week, by the way, because Rob passed away last week, and his funeral's tomorrow. So say a prayer for Rob Abeda. You might not know him, but he was very devout. You would probably recognize him. He was here every single Sunday. These are the types of things, brothers and sisters, that you and I need to feel if we're going to understand today's gospel. It's easy to read Mark chapter 5 and to just rush through it. And one more story where Jesus does something amazing, but it doesn't touch our hearts. When you have loved someone and they die... You cannot explain what that's like to someone else. It changes your life forever. 
And when you enter into today's gospel with this mindset and you can, can feel what Jairus, what Jairus feels for his daughter, you will understand this reading in a different way. And so Christians, right, our faith is about the resurrection of the dead. That is what it's about. And if that's true, brothers and sisters, everything else in our life is relativized. When you and I have a mindset and we understand that someday that man will raise us from the dead. If we understand that, we will have a proper stance towards the things of this world. We will not call them evil. We will not hate them. We'll be engaged. But we will stop pretending that they are the final reality. If we are true Christians, our politics will be a little less heated. Because we'll love our country and we'll love our world, but we'll know that there's something greater. I'm convinced, I've said it before, part of the reason the politics has gotten so nasty in our country is because we're no longer Christians. And so we think this is all we've got. Christianity, one more note on this, right? Our faith, a lot of faiths across the world, a lot of religions, many of them, the way they are founded is someone who has some serious gifting. And I think people that we should be in honest dialogue with and have great respect for, they have great ideas or mystical experiences. Right? In the case of Buddha, right, someone who claims that he attained enlightenment. Our faith didn't start with smart people. It started with an empty tomb. It wasn't a private experience that one person saw. It was a public event, and the world changed because of it. And today's gospel, brothers and sisters, today's gospel is a resurrection story. It's something we need to think about, right? We distract ourselves, and we don't think about death. But the, the gospel challenges us continuously to come back to this. And so Mark today wants us to understand that these two stories we heard today, right? Jairus comes to Jesus, and they're walking, and in the middle of the story, he places the hemorrhaging woman. And what Mark wants us to see is that these two stories are the same story. These two stories are the same story. And Mark shows us that, right? And I know you know some of these things. But it's so good to go back into this. And so Jesus is walking. Jairus comes and he falls down at Jesus' feet. And think about this, going back to, to this terrible reality of death. Jairus falls at Jesus' feet as any father would. If your little girl is sick, last night, by the way, I have to laugh. Last night there was a dad 
at Mass, and he has four daughters, and he was like, FB, you're killing me. I have never cried so much in my life. Stop talking about little girls. I'm like, I'm sorry, but this isn't about you, but it is about you. This father, right, he falls at Jesus' feet because if Jesus can do something, the father will give anything. He'd do anything for that. And Mark wants us to see that the hemorrhaging woman and this little girl, they both had the same experience. And so the little girl, how old is the little girl? Do you remember? 12 years old. And how long has this woman been hemorrhaging? 12 years, right? And so the father falls at Jesus' feet. The hemorrhaging woman, when she realizes she's been healed, she comes back to Jesus and she falls at his feet. And the most powerful moment in today's gospel for me, right, the, the father comes to Jesus and he says, my little daughter, the Greek word there is thugater. And it's not surprising he says this. This is what a dad says. This is my little girl. What is surprising is that this is the way that Jesus addresses the hemorrhaging woman. When she comes to him and tells him everything that's happened, Jesus uses the same word to address her that the father does for his 12-year-old daughter. Essentially, Jesus says to her, my little girl, your faith has saved you. And here's the point. Here's why all this matters so much. You and I are men and women whose lives are shaped by the future. Our lives are shaped by the coming resurrection on the last day. But what happened to the hemorrhaging woman and to Jairus' daughter is the same story. And every Christian has the same story, every one of us. If you're going to be a real Christian, your story is the same as the hemorrhaging woman. It's the same as Jairus' daughter. And it goes very simply like this. Jesus, I was dead. I was dead. I was under the power of sin. I was broken. And you raised me to life. That's the story of every Christian. And Mark wants us to understand, brothers and sisters, when someone encounters Jesus Christ, what always happens when they really touch him, right? And today's, today's gospel makes it clear it has to be with faith. When they let go of themselves, and it's not just, I'm curious who he is, let's see if he can prove to me that he's God, but when we let go of ourselves and we reach out and touch him, a miniature resurrection happens. An encounter with Christ, when it is an encounter that happens by faith is always a miniature resurrection. And you've seen this. I hope you've experienced it. 
where something in you was broken. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you, you know, you wouldn't say it this way to other people, but you love that sin. And you're attached to that sin. Or maybe there's something, much like the hemorrhaging woman today, maybe there is a brokenness in your life that just keeps you down. Our God is not a God of death. He is a God of life. And when a person encounters Jesus, they have a movement from death into life. The world needs us, by the way. Right? The, the, the sign. Someday, I was, I was, we did an internment, a family here at Lourdes, and we did an internment at a, at a cemetery yesterday. And whenever I'm at a cemetery, I just, it's a beautiful place, and you walk around, and I always look and think, it's going to be amazing on the final day when God raises every one of these bodies to life. Because everybody will rise for the final judgment. But the sign that that's going to happen, people around us don't believe it. The sign and the foreshadowing and the foretaste that that amazing, incredible day where God will make all things right, the sign that that day is coming is when you and I move from death to life in our walk with Christ. And when that happens for you, you'll have a greater faith in the resurrection. Moments in my, I've had many of these over the years, right? But there's moments in my life where I'm just like, Lord, I was dead. I was tired. I had no life in me. I did not have the joy of the gospel. And Jesus, I was able somehow in your mercy to reach out and touch you. And I found real life again. Thomas Merton has a great line about this. Merton says, Too often our notion of faith is falsified by our emphasis on statements about God, which faith believes, and by our forgetfulness of the fact that faith is a communion with God's own light and truth. Hear that again. Faith is falsified by our forgetfulness that faith is a communion with God's own light and truth. Faith is not, I say this all the time, we've got to remember this. We need to believe everything the church teaches because the church has been guided by the Spirit and she teaches us the truth. And so, being a Catholic means you need to believe what the church teaches, but not just that. Right? You can, you can say, okay, Jesus was a divine person who took on a human nature, so therefore he has two intellects and two wills. Check. Which that's actually true. Did you know that? that okay, just stare at me. Fine. Um, <laughs> he does. He has two intellects and two wills. Check. Right? Mary, perpetual virgin. Check. Assumed into heaven. Check. Uh, Jesus' flesh and blood is truly present in the Eucharist. Check. That's not a Christian. That's someone who knows a lot about Christianity. A Christian is someone who touched Jesus 
and they came to life. That's a Christian. And that kind of person, by the way, always believes everything the church teaches. They've learned to give themselves over to God and to surrender to Him. Chesterton has another great line. Chesterton has a line where he says, Let your religion be less of a theory and more of a romance. Let your religion be less of a theory and more of a romance. Today at Mass, you will profess that you believe in the resurrection of the dead. If I can have that, I can do anything. If, If on the last day, the Lord can raise me to life, my anxieties carry a little less weight. My attachments to pleasures, right, and comfort, and the things this world can offer can be a little less because all that matters is if I will rise on the last day. So Jesus, this morning, Lord, I pray for every person here, especially those, Lord, I pray for those who are under the power of death. Whether it is a sin in their lives that holds them captive, whether it's an affliction that simply renders them powerless, whether there are people here today who do not believe that they can be loved. Lord, today grant them faith, grant me faith, Jesus, that we may taste the resurrection of the dead.